Well, everyone, we've returned once again for, I don't remember what week, maybe six? It, it could be six. I, I, I think that sounds right. Anyway, today we're talking about Batman Forever. Yes, that movie. One of the worst Batman movies ever made. And let me tell you this right up front. I really like this movie. I think it's secretly great. Today, we're here to tell you why. I'm Christian. I'm Connor. And Christian, I would agree with you. I watched this movie and was like, this is a pretty good movie. I didn't remember it being this good. But also, I did slightly confuse it when I was turning it on for uh, Batman Returns, which I believe is the one after this, which is god-awful. We're never talking about that movie ever again. Um, but... What's your backstory with the Batman IP, I guess, before we kind of launch into everything? Are you like a big Batman guy or? So only only first of all, because I know our, you know, several hundreds of millions of fans will <laughs> point this out. Batman Returns is the second film, the second one that uh, Tim Burton directed. The next one is Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Yes, I'm sorry. I do apologize. Batman Returns is a good movie. Batman and Robin is a bad movie. I do I, apologize. Yeah, I, I try to forget that uh, Batman and Robin exists at all costs. You know, this this was a great movie to do. I'm not sure about uh, Batman and Robin. Anyway, my opinion the, on the like uh, just Batman IP as a whole is I've always been a really big fan. I've read a ton of Batman comics. Actually, for context, my iPad is actually sitting upon two long cases of comic books and probably maybe a hundred of those are only Batman comics. <laughs> so I've read quite, I've, I've read quite a bit, um, growing up, growing up on him and, you know, of course, seen all the Nolan movies and everything, uh, really excited for the future of Batman. How about you? Yeah, Batman, I didn't really get super into Batman like I am into some other IPs. I definitely like it. I didn't get into it really until the the Christopher Nolan movies, and then I kind of backtracked um, through a lot of like the classic arcs. Like my favorite arcs are Nightfall and The Killing Joke. Um, those are my favorite renditions of Batman. Um, something about DC tends to not grip me the way other companies do. And uh, for a while, I thought it was because DC tends to be like very dark um and but then if you read like pretty much any comic they're all like incredibly dark and other ones grippy so i don't know what it is but i do enjoy batman um a pretty fair amount considering my disgruntledness i guess with dc comics as a whole oh oh um what 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 is your uh disgruntle over those as a whole I don't, I don't know. I don't have, it, it might just be like a, like one of those things where this is what I thought when I was 11 and I refused to let go of my grudge sort of thing. Um, but they're the stuff that I read from them just doesn't grip me the same way. It doesn't like, you know, capture my attention the same way as like, you know, I'm not sure if you've read like the walking dead comics, but they're equally as, you know, if not some of the darkest comics I've ever read. And I tore through those things for a long time. And when I got to like, you know, comics, like I think my favorite DC comic is like the Green Arrow, which is, you know, dark in places, but it's pretty light as like an overall tale as opposed to like, you know, some of the other ones. I don't know. They just seem like very cliche to me. Like their main guy is Superman and he's essentially, you know, as OP as they come. And I don't know, it just it's never like, you know, truly captivating stuff for me, I guess. I get that. Uh, I can definitely something. I mean, I I've read quite a bit of both DC and Marvel comics, um, and I on average feel like Marvel's more willing to take more risks. Um, I feel like a lot of the DC stuff read, I kind of feel like it becomes a little formulaic, and that's why I stopped reading a lot of DC comics. 
where I kind of felt like I always knew what the next thing that was going to happen was. Um, I mean, that being said, I've read a ton of them and I, you know, overall definitely like them. Um, and you mentioned the walking dead comics. Yeah. I also have at least 60 issues of there from one thirty to the end of the series. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is for a separate podcast maybe, but DC, like you were saying, like doesn't take enough, like truly great leaps and like, you know, like that's why the killing joke is sort of iconic. It, you know, it kind of leaves open-ended if the Joker died, this and that, but that's a conversation for another day. Christian, um, Batman forever came out in 1995. It's obviously a superhero movie. It, the first Batman movie directed by Joel Schumacher. Um, it was produced by Tim Burton. And I have a backstory to tell you in a little while about that situation. Um, but it is, you're, it may be difficult to tell watching this movie, but it is a direct sequel to Batman Returns, the 1992 film we mentioned earlier. It's the third installment of the Warner Brothers initial Batman film series, the first two done by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton, and then this one done by Schulmacher and starring Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne and Batman in his only rendition of the character. Um, also supporting is Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell, Michael Gosh, and Pat Hingle. So a lot of star power in this uh, in this cast, surprisingly, for kind of the time and the reception that this movie got. Um, but I know you said uh, to me off pod that you really liked this movie. What, you know, what were your general thoughts about the movie as you were watching it? What did you really, you know, enjoy about it? My initial thought upon once I finished this movie was, wow, that was something to behold. <laughs> I... It, it was just so baffling the fact that this movie existed at all because one of the things you just mentioned saying that this movie is a direct sequel to Batman Returns I didn't even know that you wouldn't know that watching this movie um, so, you can't gather it you can't you can't equate those two worlds as the world where Danny DeVito is walking around as the penguin and this version of villains with Jim Carrey as the Riddler and uh, Tommy Lee Jones playing Two Face, basically both playing a version of the Joker. Like you can't, you can't equate those two things as being in the same world, and yet they're direct back-to-back films. It doesn't make any sense, but I did, I did like it for for what it was. You know, I'm I, this. This isn't a movie that I'm going to sit here and say that this is legitimately a great film up there. That you know, this should be in the same regard as The Dark Knight or, or anything like that. But this is a really, really, really silly movie, and I think they doubled down on the similar on the silliness, and I think it kind of is definitely one of its problems. But it, it was just good, mindless fun, and like I liked seeing that out of Batman. What what were your kind of thoughts? Pretty much the same thing. I enjoyed the movie, um, and I wrote down if you take this movie for what it is, it's great, which is like a campy, kid friendly, safer, funner, zany take on Batman. Um, if you're here to see like the mentally disturbing dark night where he's like borderline psychotic and everything like that, or he's mentally, you're just, you're in the wrong movie. That's not what they tried to do here. Um, and it's abundantly clear that that's not what they tried to do here. In fact, there's a story I'm going to tell you a little while that kind of tells you why this movie is like this. Um, but Batman forever did pretty well in the in the theater surprisingly it grossed over 336 million dollars worldwide it was the sixth highest grossing film 
uh, worldwide and the second highest grossing film in America of 1995. It was on a budget of only $100 million. It was, and like I said, largely considered a success by the studio. So much they commissioned a sequel. We've already uh, mentioned enough on this podcast. So from now on, we will not be speaking of it, which was also produced by Schumacher. Um, it made $52.8 million on its opening weekend, which broke Jurassic Park record for the highest opening weekend gross of all time at the time. It did lose the record two years later to The Lost World, um, Jurassic Park's sequel, which came in at $72.1 million. But considering the reception numbers you're about to go over, you would be shocked to find out that this movie was at one for multiple years the highest grossing opening weekend of all time. It's 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 crazy to think about. And I, I, I was still very young when this movie came out, but I can only imagine the hype of going to see this movie. Uh, there, it must have been crazy. I mean, the numbers show that clearly people went to see it despite it having awful reviews. I mean, I can imagine people like lining up to go see this movie, like just like so excited. I mean, I feel like there had to be just crazy energy about this. Like, in fact, like probably one of the things I think about the no the most when I think about the '90s is this version of Batman. Um, so it's kind of like almost synonymous with the nineties. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense that this movie crushed it at the box office. What it didn't crush was the critics thought of this movie. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 39% audience score of 32%. Metacritic has it a 51 out of a hundred. So I will say this, it's not quite as awful as some of the other movies we've talked about on the show, but definitely not great uh it's actually crazy to me that it has a 51 on metacritic and higher than rotten tomatoes i usually feel like i see those the other way around but the main criticisms the main criticism of this movie is that it was a complete total shift from what tim burton was doing um you know tim burton had a very very cool iconic dark brooding but still strangely pretty version of gotham in batman and this movie just it's like someone did that, but had no artistic talent. Um, I, I feel like it's the best way, it's the best way to put it. Uh, a couple things here, like Roger Ebert wrote, is this movie better entertainment? Well, it's great bumblegum for the eyes. Younger children will be able to process it more easily, which is just kind of saying it's a simply plotted movie. Um, but there is general play, praise for uh, Jones and Carrie's performances. Scott Beatty, a, he's a comic book publisher and longtime employee at DC, felt that Tommy Lee Jones played Harvey Dent as a Joker knockoff um, more than like a multi-layered rogue, which he normally is in the comics. I can't disagree with him. It definitely comes through. Um, that being said, I definitely liked both of their performances. Did you have anything to add to all that? Yeah, we'll dig into my opinion of Tommy Lee Jones's performance in an, in a little while and really i don't i don't necessarily have a problem with his performance i did not think that was the best rendition of two-face um in my opinion um uh, but before we launch into uh our categories here i want to give you a rundown of exactly what happened with this film so obviously we know that burton makes the first two movies they're very well received uh they do great numbers so they're gonna make a third one um, and Burton was working on the third installment already. He was asked to step aside because the main sponsors for WB, one of which namely was McDonald's, 
complained saying that Batman Returns was too dark and not family friendly enough. So we were deprived the third movie essentially because of McDonald's. I'd like to just make that perfectly clear. Um, this alternate universe third movie was entitled Batman Continues, and the cast goes as the following. Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Billy D. Williams, Robin Williams, Renee Russo, and Marlon Wayans. I would have killed to see that movie, especially coming off the back of Batman Returns. So Burton gets asked to step aside by WB, and they looked at two different directors before they gave it to Schumacher. They looked at Sam Raimi, famous for, you know, nowadays for his two excellent Spider-Man films and then doing the Venom one. Um, and Joel McTiernan from Predator, Die Hard, and The Hunt for Red October. I mean, can you imagine a Sam Raimi Batman film? How great that would have been in the mid-90s. Honestly, that is like a wet dream come true, thinking about Sam Raimi directing a Batman film. Unbelievable. Um, so Michael Keaton was asked to come back onto the third movie and declined. Or as one publication that I saw <laughs> doing some research put it, quit in disgust over... Burton's removal. Um, so the casting process uh, was not, you know, super big. Uh, William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin himself, and Ethan Hawke were considered as replacements. And then Kilmer was cast uh, because they wanted to go with a younger Batman than Keaton had portrayed. Renee Russo was initially cast as Kidman's character by Burton, but Schumacher decided she was, quote, too old Crazy. to play amongst the younger cast Kilmer. Um, and then the set of this movie, Christian, was an absolute disaster. So Joel Schumacher and Val Kilmer did not get along. Schumacher described Kilmer as childish and impossible. And reportedly, after he had told Kilmer to stop behaving in a rude way, they didn't speak for two weeks on set. They just didn't talk. The star and the director. And also Tommy Lee Jones, uh, famously kind of a curmudgeon, had run-ins with Jim Carrey, with Carrey afterwards acknowledging that Jones was not friendly to him. And at one point, Jones said to Carrey, I hate you, I don't really like you, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Which is, if you watched this movie and watched Tommy Lee Jones portray Two-Face, is kind of crazy to hear him say, I cannot sanction that your is, buffoonery uh, after this that, that is wild to um, think about him saying that to him just because of uh, exactly what you're stating now uh, you wouldn't even know honestly because I thought like they had a lot of screen time together um, so it's really surprising to hear that yeah yeah and they had good chemistry too when they were on the stage I thought but just didn't connect behind the stage I guess um, and you know we've touched on this but Scho Schumacher did not have these movies well received this movie like we said was critically panned uh, the second movie we will not speak of was just it's widely considered one of the worst films of all time. Schumacher has publicly, publicly apologized for both films and decided that post-Batman, he needed to reinvent his career entirely with low-budget, more gritty films, a couple of which included 8mm with Nicolas Cage and Flawless with Bobby De Niro himself. Um, so it basically set Joel Schumacher's back career back about five years doing these movies before he was able to kind of get on his feet again. Um, and the only actual fun fact I have about this is that Chris O'Donnell, who plays Robin in this movie, um, his first ever role was in a McDonald's commercial where he served Michael Jordan food. So we come full circle with McDonald's, getting Chris O'Donnell his break in acting and then costing us is, Batman uh, Continues really with Michael Keaton. It is scary to think that McDonald's had that much influence in it. 
Uh, I also I also like just thinking about what does McDonald's think they know about the film industry? I mean, I I know that McDonald's put out those like direct to VHS cartoon movies. Um, you know, when I was a kid, but like, that's about it. I don't remember seeing Mike Donald's ever like make any movie. So how on earth do they go to a film company and be like, you know what? Eh, this movie's a little too dark. We can't sell toys based on it. It's just wild to me. The, the only thing that I could think of when I was, when I was researching this and I couldn't find anything to corroborate it was that. Maybe they had some sort of deal where, like, you know, you used to get, like, you probably still do, but you got, like, toys and Happy Meals. Like, imagine if you were a kid and you opened a toy from your Happy Meal and it was Danny DeVito's Penguin. Like, that is kind of terrifying. But also, at the same time, you know, maybe just don't put that one in there. You can put Batman in the Batmobile and be just fine. Um, I don't know. It's crazy to think about, like you said, but... Let's move into our thoughts on this movie. Um, first, we're going to start off with the bin, which is famously why this film is garbage. Um, to start us off, I figured I would give my thoughts after the first action sequence of the movie, which is that I immediately saw why people didn't like this movie. Because if you came in expecting this to be the Tim Burton Batman, it's not that. Some of the action in that first sequence is comical and impossible. Like the way that the bank vault just swings back into the wall that it came out of completely going into the not hitting anything else made me laugh. Um, you know, you see Two-Face and this is with a little bit of, you know, future sight where we've seen Aaron Heckard play this like troubled, demented, vengeful Two-Face. But then you see Two-Face come in and he's basically, you know, the Joker uh, like a campy version of the Joker, or like Cesar Romano's Joker. Um, and it's trying to inject humor everywhere. And then the general look of Burton's movies, they seem to have kept, but it's then colorful and kind of goofy. Like if you came into this movie expecting to see the direct sequel to Batman Returns, which why wouldn't you? That's what this film was marketing as. Within the first 10 minutes, you can clearly see that that's not what this movie is going to be. Like like I told you before, it didn't once feel to me like a sequel to the other other movies. I mean, like, I feel like something else that adds to that is uh, is something you mentioned earlier, is that they wanted Al Kilmer because he would to be a younger Batman. Man, Michael Keaton was getting old. Like, how are we going backwards in time? (laughs) Like, that doesn't make any like... It doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, while we're talking on Kilmer, what were your thoughts He's not on a good his Batman, performance um, at all? He doesn't really come across as physically imposing or scary, or even very smart or tough, which are like all qualities that, like, I think should be attributed to Batman in some respects. Um, I don't think he's an awful Bruce Wayne. I'll I'll say that, but as in terms of the Dark Knight, I do not think he did a very good job. Yeah, I, I this was the main sticking point to this movie for me in that I think if they had cast a better actor in this film, even if they kept Michael Keaton, knowing like his comedic chops from later films I've seen him in, he would like this movie would be so much better. He's Kilmer's such a tough choice for this role, and it's not to like rag on Val Kilmer who I've enjoyed in other movies 
but there's two sides to the Batman character. There's the borderline deranged, you know, caped crusader, and there's the charming, you know, eloquent Bruce Wayne. And he plays both of those characters so stoic and so level and so to the chest that you don't get any any feeling of them at all. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole point of being this character is being able to play that, you know, that duo, have those two sides equally represented. Like a lot of people didn't like Christian Bale's performance as he kind of went on in the movies, but he is like in the Dark Knight. He's very charming um, at times. He comes off as like a billionaire playboy. And then, you know, he's got those emotional scenes where he's kind of struggling with having to be Batman. And you don't, see any of this and the whole point of having nicole kidman's character which i'll get into in a little while was to highlight the mental anguish of being batman but because he has no chemistry with nicole kidman it just kills that whole side of the story and kills the potential of that character so i think he was really what killed this movie for me was that he takes up all the screen time, obviously, and I just could not get invested agree. in yeah, him I mean, as this just, character. He, he, was, he was a strange choice for, you know, all the reasons that we've, you know, listed. And like you said, I mean, I like Velko and just fine. I just don't think this was particularly the right role for him. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's always something really important to get to nail with Batman is exactly that dichotomy of, like, understanding that, like, on the outside, Bruce Wayne is a very broken man who still has to go out and be like this billionaire face of Wayne Enterprises but then is also really a completely deranged lunatic that dresses up like a bat and beats people to a pulp um, and yeah he doesn't do any of those either of those really great I will say like I said I think he does okay at Bruce Wayne because I never really think Bruce Wayne has like a super big emotional range anyways but that's not that's not like a glowing endorsement for it or anything. I think he does okay at best. Um, you know, Michael Keaton was like a way better Bruce Wayne for sure. Um, other things that I just like don't yeah. like about this movie. Uh, well, a, a lot of things that for me are things that are objectively bad, but are so bad that they're hilarious. Like what you're mentioning um, about the bank vault in the beginning. Uh, th that's not how helicopters work or physics or like literally anything. <laughs> um, like. <laughs> I, I actually wrote down for that scene. Um, a lot of my, a lot of my notes for this movie are actually just to give you some behind baseball in all <laughs> caps with about eight exclamation points. Um, because I just couldn't believe what was going on. And then, so my note for that scene is, I don't know if you can suspend a bank vault from a helicopter. And then right afterwards, <laughs> yeah. that's not how physics work. You can't just swing something back in like that. And then in all caps, <laughs> it didn't even hit the wall. So it's like everything that happened in that scene, I was like, that can't be real. But like you were saying, they leaned into it, like just so hard into that. Like, this is not it real life, but it's very amusing. Nail some, or it, it does seem just like, weird choices for batman that like i just found crazy like there's a scene in the beginning where he he, t he takes a deaf person's hearing aid to use it to like rig some other part of equipment and i'm like well, okay batman's robbing deaf people <laughs> and then he after that like proceeds to destroy the statue of liberty um there's also like scenes where he just 
blows up cars um, with like clearly people in them so this batman also doesn't care about killing or anything like that so just all around just strange choices with the character also he does have bat nipples it is weird yeah no and there was a gratuitous scene where he's suiting up at the end where for some reason for three seconds they just panned over his ass in the suit which I wrote down gratuitous ass shot, not necessary. And then, like you said, in all caps, why does his yeah, suit I have, have nipples? A, one no written down for that, and um, it just says bat ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, another thing, and this is a small thing, um, before I, I, I want us to have a conversation for a couple minutes about Tommy Lee Jones. Um, the hair pieces that they gave... I don't know if it was intentional, but the hair pieces that they gave Jim Carrey in this movie were the worst thing I've ever seen. His hair was terrible in every scene except for that like black tie event that they went to. I don't know what the thought process was, but whoever did like costumes should be ashamed he looks, of he the looks hair completely that they gave Jim Carrey. Every scene. Um, yeah, I completely agree. He doesn't really look very appealing. I mean, he doesn't really look intimidating either. Um, that's actually probably another problem I would say with this movie is that I don't really think either of the villains are particularly scary um, or like believable as villains as much as they kind of just seem like nuisance clowns that Bruce has to beat up. Um, but yeah. 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 Did you understand how the Riddler's machine worked? Because I did not. I spent the whole movie trying to figure it out. And at the well, end, Connor, I just wrote down, you I see, don't see, the thing it. is, is that neither of us are quite as smart as Edward Nigma. That's why we would never be able to understand. <laughs> of course. Of course. That is, that, is, that is the way they also seem to take out. <laughs> they didn't, in the movie, they didn't explain how it works. They just went, if you did that, wouldn't you have the ability to do that? And he went, yes. And that they, was the they, whole they plot line. They don't spend any time explaining forward. any of it. Um, I think the idea is that there he invents like maybe a new... I guess if you were buying like an Apple TV today, maybe um, imagine if the Apple TV shot a laser into your brain that also sucked out your thoughts and fed it over just like the Internet, I guess, into your brain uh, and therefore made you smarter. <laughs> that that That's exactly. his plan just to steal everybody's intelligence. It, I, I have no idea. It's exactly what you we just said, maybe, possibly, the whole time. That's exactly what I took out of it. They were just like, this might work. Let's run with it. Um, but moving into Tommy Lee Jones. So we have differing opinions on this character. Um, and I want to start off by saying, I think Tommy Lee Jones did the best he could with the direction he was given with this film. He's all out of his mind. If you had told me that Tommy Lee Jones did this whole movie high on PCP, I would believe you from how I'm used to seeing Tommy Jones act and what he did in this movie. But the version of the Two-Face that they gave us is the worst version of Two-Face. Um, I know you said you read a lot of Batman comics. I'm sure you're familiar that at points in like various arcs, Two-Face just basically becomes like a comic side piece that they just throw in every now and then when they needed a villain and he's got a weird fetish essentially about two like he you know they mentioned like on the set like it was the second anniversary of the second time that 
soap that Batman had caught him or something on the day he was like robbing the thing in the beginning. Like that was a call to that. And that's just the worst version of Two-Face who is, like you were saying, this multi-layered character that we've now seen brought to life so brilliantly by Aaron Eckhart that, you know, watching him be a Joker ripoff when I know Tommy Lee Jones is capable of playing that character so much better just bothered I, me. I, I mean, I agree end. with you on all of that. I mean, this is definitely the worst interpretation of the character of Two-Face either. What I think is so funny about picking the Riddler and Two-Face as the main villains of this movie is that they're both kind of used in that regard of neither of them are very uh, intimidating at all. There was a recent arc a couple years ago with Batman that I thought utilized uh, the Riddler pretty well, but um, other than that, I don't think he's really given a lot of you know stuff to do in the comics either. Um, but Tommy Lee Jones, like you said, he did what he was told to do, and I just really appreciate an actor that I normally think of as kind of a dry, mean, sarcastic dude in just about everything else, playing the most over-the-top performance I have ever seen anyone give in a movie it just it i thought it was just so funny and ridiculous that i couldn't help but enjoy it um it's a horrible characterization of the character it doesn't really match you know what two-face is or i guess if you will how i view the character um but hey man whatever whatever you're doing tommy lee jones it was something i need at least one more tommy lee jones zany performance um before the end of his career it, it was essentially like to, watching Tommy Lee Jones yeah. try to be Jim Carrey, but also in a movie that had Jim Carrey in it. So it was very strange to watch them try and be the same character. Um, I do want to talk about Jim Carrey in what I liked about the film and the beauty. So is there anything else you wanted um, to cover the only, in the, the bin before we move on? The thing I can say is on? that the visual effects in this movie uh, are really bad. Um, I can't speak for how oh, they no. were at the time. I mean, this movie did come out in 95, so it is pretty old but wow i was watching this and just shocked at how bad some of the scenes looked yeah no it's not defensible the literal first note that i have for this film um is that 1995 never seemed farther away than watching the opening of this film um but to give you an idea of what was possible with effects like that and you can't compare them because the you know they are different movies, different budgets, stuff like that. Um, but Jurassic Park came out in 93, so two years before this. And I would dare say that Jurassic Park is so much more believable with dinosaurs walking around than Easily. this movie I was mean, with Jurassic Park. Spandex. looks incredible. I mean, take another movie like uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day that like you watch it now and it still looks incredible. And then you watch something like this and... I don't even know how these movies came out around the same time. No, it's almost impossible. Um, But let's move into the beauty. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is Jim Carrey, because this movie reminded me that I am so sad that Jim Carrey stopped acting. Now, I know he had a bunch of demons he was battling with. By a lot of accounts, he's better off now kind of not playing this, you know, I don't know if charade is the right word for, but this kind of like, you know, character that he was putting on in basically every movie, but he pops off this screen immediately. 
like the from the second you see him he has this presence and this character this charisma it's just so palpable right away and his character is literally insane and at no point really like makes any sort of like character development and i didn't care and to me that's like the best the best you know compliment i can give to a role like this where like you were saying he's just this zany like sort of thing that's in batman's way he's not really that you know not really that believable of a threat i guess throughout the movie but just how incredibly insane he was and how committed to just i don't maybe shenanigans is the right way to say it but he just is going a hundred miles an hour every second he's on the screen and it is insane and hilarious it really and just speaks captivating to, his, to watch like ability to act and everything and just how you know big jim carrey was at the time for doing exactly this um you know i mean this is kind of like his bread and butter is making faces voices contorting his body into different ways you know speaking in different pitches and all that kind of stuff and he's delivering here on full on full throttle i mean i have to imagine i mean i don't know too much about jim carrey how he grew up but i have to imagine being asked to be the riddler in a movie it had to be pretty exciting for him so naturally he was going to come and show up and really give it his all and he definitely does yeah and i mean i don't i don't know this for a fact but i found it hilarious that every time we saw the riddler come out he was in like a more ridiculous costume and i can only imagine that like you know backstage jim carrey is like no can we put glitter on this one can we make this one white can i have multicolored bandanas on this one and meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones just showed up in the same suit the whole time, which was, you know, in parts leopard print and exotic and purple, and the other side was black. So it was it was also fun. But every time he came out and was acting over the top like that, he would just have a more ridiculous suit on, and it made it made me laugh every time. Um, I think we differed a little bit on this. I didn't mind Chris O'Donnell's performance. I know he was trying to be like that quote unquote bad boy from the 90s um i think he ripped <laughs> off your style to be honest with you um this whole movie dressed a lot like yeah, i see christian it. dress in real life this whole time um but i thought that even though i don't know how necessary it was for him to be like the you know the edgy guy kilmer played batman so straight laced for me that someone in this movie needed to be adding a little grit and at least having him be troubled about like, do I kill or do I not kill and kind of coming to his own conclusion added a little depth in character for me, I guess. Um, and the last performance I want to talk about is Nicole Kidman, um, because Nicole Kidman, I don't know if she was asleep this whole movie, but she definitely didn't give the performance of her life. But in 1995, Nicole Kidman might be the most beautiful I've ever seen definitely, in my yeah. Nicole Kidman is as gorgeous as ever in this film. And it's actually funny that you mentioned uh, whether or not she was asleep. Because one of my first notes in the movie is, are Val Kilmer and Nicole Kidman acting? <laughs> because I couldn't tell if they were just <laughs> on set and someone filmed them having a candid conversation. Or they were like legitimately playing characters. But... That's more bin talk. We're here for beauty talk. Um, Nicole. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Only here for beauty Nicole, talk. Nicole Kidman, she was good. I liked seeing her. I thought she was a good addition to the cast. I thought, um, you, you know, it was 
really much needed kind of contrasting with again Val Kilmer kind of just being a brick wall this entire movie um same goes for Chris O'Donnell um I don't think he's the most amazing acting amazing actor ever but there were stuff I really liked in this movie related to Robin um it opens up the movie opens up on a trapeze scene how often do we get one of those in a movie I thought that was like really cool um also seeing like this younger guy who like you're saying is dealing with those issues of morality whether or not he wants to do it um that kind of really doesn't want to be a part of this bat family and is kind of like strong-armed into being part being robin um is all like pretty interesting i will say i wish we had a little bit more time spent with him because i feel like he's introduced and like becomes robin a little late in the movie um but the time that he was there i thought he was like generally pretty good Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed his performance, probably a little more than I was meant to, to be honest with you. Um, Nicole Kidman's character, I don't know if you know this, but it was uniquely made for this movie um, because the screenwriters thought it would be more interesting for him to date a psychologist as opposed to just, you know, models and socialites that, you know, you normally see Bruce Wayne going around with. I think this is like, I don't know how no one's pursued this idea. This to me is like a million dollar idea. Like we always talk about, you know, in, in Batman circles, people talk about how the Batman and Joker work so well because they're, you know, mirror edges of, or mirror sides of the same coin, or they're essentially like, a, you know, the same thing, um, except one is evil and one is good. And imagine if you had like, a you know, a version of that, with harley quinn like she could have been like batman's harley quinn and sidekick or you could have had them do this like cat and mouse game where she spends three movies slowly circling on the fact that bruce wayne is batman and their you know we spoke about their chemistry beforehand um kind of killing this for me because i didn't really feel that between them but if they had just I don't understand how no one circled back to this idea and been like, this was a really, really good idea because you can make so much it's an awesome of this. Idea, if it was for done sure. Correctly. I mean, it's kind of one of those perfect things. And there could be, um, like, I, certainly not in uh, like major motion film, motion picture films, have we seen this type of uh, relationship yet? It could be something in the comics. It's just not something that I've personally read. Um, but it's a great idea. I mean, what better way? to talk about batman's problems than to have a psychoanalyst or you know a psychiatrist or psychologist actually speak with him um it's a really good way i think to introduce people to maybe some of the more real aspects of batman because i feel like especially a lot these days batman's kind of just lumped in as being like smart guy who beats up people with his fists and like that's never been who Batman is for me. He's always been more of like a cerebral character who just happens to be strong. Um, so I think it'd be like really, really great to have someone actually bring to a new audience and show like, yeah, Batman's a little bit messed up inside. Yeah, I mean, that's to me the appealing, appealing aspect of Batman as a character is that he's not superman where he's just straightforward good he's this deep deeply tormented and troubled person and he's just borderline like always two steps away from being pushed over the edge and becoming a mass murderer essentially and 
you know, like you were saying, like a lot of the renditions, especially like the more recent uh, Affleck ones, don't pursue that angle at all. He's just a big brute who has a problem with Superman for a while, um, which is why I'm excited to see the uh, the new one coming out. Um, starring Robert Pattinson because it's supposed to be more of like a detective noir sort of like explore that side of Batman which would be super interesting to me but I just I don't understand why no one's ever circled back to this idea of giving him someone in his love life who is you know psychoanalyzing kind of breaking him down you could have done a lot with this um I did want to touch on, like you mentioned, having the trapeze, having the flying Graysons in this is such a nice touch because, you know, I'm going to touch on this in the cell, but I think the main, the main thing about this movie that I liked is it's sort of goofy and campy. And there is a whole goofy and campy side to Batman that doesn't get explored a lot because people like to show him beating people up. Um, and having the flying Graysons in there, which is, you know, Dick Grayson's original origin story before you know we kind of got on to, into all these alternate realities is like a nice I little agree touch 100%. That, that, that is such a good thing seeing in there and it's a very real aspect of batman that is utilized you know decently you know as decently as this movie is um you know it works here um some other things that i really enjoyed about this movie are just a couple ridiculous lines of dialogue um to what i want to shout out is there was a scene where someone yells it's boiling acid, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about that boiling acid was it was so very clearly just yeah. water and red light. And they had the guy's glasses fall into it. And they added this like singeing sound that they were supposed to be disintegrating. And meanwhile, you could just clearly see them float to the bottom. It's, of the, it's of ridiculous. The um, and another line that I thought was great uh, is Jim Carrey at one point he just yells joygasm <laughs> that was again crazy um, and other just like small little things um, that I thought were fun and stupid are when Chris O'Donnell is like doing laundry and like but also doing karate to like show off to Alfred that he knows karate or something um, it was a very strange and just hilarious scene to watch. And also, uh, this movie also comes full circle on our podcast because there's a scene where uh, Batman is driving a boat in the water and they're trying to knock him out by playing a game of Battleship. Yeah, the, you, I... I commented on that during the movie. I was like, are they literally... And Jim Carrey, I think, at one point says, yeah. like, you sunk my battleship, too. And I was like, this is just a blatant, like, grip-off <laughs> reference to battleship right here. But, all right. Um, and do you have anything else to add in this section here? No, I think let's let's move right on into the cell. Um, Christian, why should people check out the main reason people Batman should watch Forever. this movie? In my opinion, is that it's not a version of Batman that we see too often made anymore. Um, while I obviously love the Christopher Nolan films, all three of them I think are great. Even Dark Knight Rises, I'll say it's a great movie, guys. <laughs> but they're all three really, really good movies, in my opinion. And this 
is just not what Batman is anymore. You know, we have new Robert Pattinson movie coming out. This is going to be a more detective noir movie. Um, you see his depiction in the Justice League movies, and he's I just whatever Ben Affleck was doing with the character at that point. They're also bringing Michael Keaton back to play Batman in the Flash movie, which is incredible to think about, and I'm so excited about that. But all of that being said, this is you know a very different version of Batman, very re- reminiscent of the. Adam West era Batman, which is kind of like more in line with Batman's origins is that it is a little bit more zany and fun and silly. And I think it's cool to see that, especially kind of just knowing that other than maybe the Lego Batman movies, I don't think we're going to get any more of that in live action. No, and that, that's exactly what I thought too watching this is that it, it reminds me of a the 90s take on Adam West's Batman TV show. One of one of my phone screen backgrounds, actually, and one of my favorite photos is Cesar Romano's Joker. I don't know if you've ever seen this standing next to like a 12 foot, 12 foot tall Joker branded surfboard from that show. Um, and the show is just campy as hell and funny. And this movie, to a fault sometimes, leans so hard into that side of Batman. But it's also probably the last time we got truly this side of Batman. Like, Batman and Robin tried to be funny, and it was just kind of really awkward and cringy. And then they never go back to this this rendition of it. You know, like we said, Christopher Nolan's and uh, Christian Bale's version of Batman is very grounded in real life. And it explores a lot of like the real person that Bruce Wayne is. And because of that, you lose a lot of this origin stuff. Like we were saying, Dick Grayson being from a traveling circus and being a trapeze artist, Two-Face having this like two bit that he's going into all the time and being this funny guy. The force humor in this movie is so ridiculous. Like, do you remember that scene where, uh, Dick Grayson goes out as quote-unquote Batman, even though he's it's just crazy. Dick Grayson driving around, and he rescues that one girl, and she says, doesn't Batman ever kiss the girl? And they kiss, and the scene lights up, and the music changes. It's all just very, you know, on the nose. The black tie events are strangely colorful. One of them's a circus. It's just very lively for a Batman movie. Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones are wildly over the top. It's just a stark, such a stark contrast to, you know, Burton's dark outings before this and Nolan's eventually more realistic outings. But it's a side of Batman that I think would have been much, much more well received if they hadn't tried to tie it to Tim Burton's films and if they kind of let it stand on its own and not directly compared it to, you know, the darker rendition of Batman that people tend I to lean into more. I agree with you completely. Um, it's you know, like it, it's it's something good to see. It, you know, like we said, that it's just not something we're going to see again. And like in my opinion, I understand why this movie isn't well received. I get why at the time someone seeing this probably saw it and was just shocked and disgusted by what they're watching. Because yeah, following those movies with that is kind of tough. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense and it would have stood better on its own. But for me, this movie is like just an ultimate good, bad movie. Um, 
you know, those are definitely some of my favorite types of movies to watch. And this just totally nails it. Now, kind of knowing how Batman is characterized in media today, seeing this is hilarious. It doesn't it doesn't even feel real. It, it feels like someone made a YouTube video about what they wish was going on in the Batman movie that they wrote at home. You know, so it is just so crazy. Um, you know, you put this on over the room and I think this is just about the same level of quality. Um, like you were saying, uh, that they force this movie to be tied to the previous movies, and that definitely hinders it. Um, and it would have been cool just to see a, someone else just do a Batman movie right away without anything kind of tied to the previous movies. I mean, if you think about it right now, currently in movies that are like in actively going on we have ben affleck's batman we're bringing back michael keaton to play batman also in the dceu and now we have robert pattinson also playing batman in another version and all these movies are pretty much currently going on like they might bring ben affleck back especially now since they're talking about uh you know releasing the snyder cut and that's going to involve like refilming stuff so we're going to have like him doing batman again so i i see no problem basically is what i'm saying with just having different characterizations of the characters going on at the same time yeah and i think i think this a film like this nowadays would be so much more well embraced than than it was back then because think about like how wildly successful the marvel movies are you know and there's a lot of factors to that but you know a large factor to it is because they're kind of light watching like they're not super heavy there's not a ton going on in terms of like you know emotional sort of baggage and there's funny lines and peppered it and funny characters and stuff like that they don't take themselves super seriously most of the time Um, and i think that's what you know is great about them and great about this movie is that it clearly just doesn't take itself that seriously it doesn't take batman that seriously it doesn't take that sort of really dark tones that you could very easily lean into with this character that seriously it allows you to have fun while you're watching it and like we said it is geared towards kids it is supposed to be easier for families to go and watch and it succeeds in that to be honest with you like it it is very it's probably my favorite watch that we've done on this whole thing it's not my favorite movie that we've watched because obviously we watched like star wars movies and fast and furious movies which are objectively better movies than this movie but out of like all the movies that we've done so far and i think this is you know approaching our 10th 10th episode of filming at least um i think this is the one i had the most fun watching because like you texted me after you filmed it it's basically like having a fever dream of a of a movie playing inside your head it's it's just wild it is yeah i i agree with you too so far this is my favorite movie that we've done um just because it was so ridiculous to see um other things that i think you know definitely are worth watching in this movie are those performances of the the two villains um you know they they're both obviously very inspired by the joker to a fault but that being said, I think both actors are giving it their all. And if you want to see Jim Carrey doing very, very, you know, things that Jim Carrey is famous for doing and doing it really well. And if you want to see Tommy Lee Jones doing something that is completely not in his wheelhouse at all, um, I think this movie is like 
really, really cool just to see based on those performances at all. Um, so I genuinely liked uh, those aspects of it. Agreed. And like I said earlier, whatever whatever Tommy Lee Jones was smoking while he was playing this Two Face, I need that in my life. Um, but moving into, you know, we always end with a final question. Moving into the final questions for this week, Christian, if you had to make a mo- Batman movie that hasn't been made before, what type of genre would you like to explore so with the Batman character? I have two answers for this. Uh, one we've kind of already addressed, so I'll go with my other answer. And it's that I would like to see a Batman horror movie and this is an idea i've seen before so this is not an original idea but i've always thought it was really cool to have a movie kind of centered around maybe low level thugs or just kind of like general criminals and just the the showing them an absolute terror of being stalked by someone who they a don't necessarily think fully exists and is kind of just perceived as an urban legend and then finally meeting this guy who is just this monster bat just beating the ever-living crap out of them just one by one. Almost give me a movie like Alien, but have it Batman just picking them off one by one mercilessly. I think that could be like pretty scary. That actually, you know, as you said, that made more and more sense in my brain of like if you described to me we're going to make a movie centered around a man who watches his parents get killed and then basically becomes a human version of a bat and comes out at night out of literally nowhere and beats people to a pulp. Then, you know, that describes to me a horror movie, actually. Like, that's actually horrifying to think about. Um, So that's actually probably, you know, a really good shout right there. Um, there were two things that came to my mind first. One is not a genre, but it is something that I wanted to bring up in that I think that The Dark Knight Rises, like you said, is a great movie. But if we were to do a whole thing about the actual Bane, where you could watch him become like, you know, be this intellectual sort of mastermind and then gain his brute strength and how he's like the ultimate villain, I'd have a lot of fun with that. Um, but as far as the genre goes, and I think this might be explored a little bit in the the Robert Pattinson film, but I do think like a mystery movie where Batman is being cunning and not just brute would be so much better than than a lot of the things we get from Batman's movies nowadays. Like I think if you took a rendition of the Riddler, where he actually was playing the smartest person on earth and was laying traps and teasing Batman and let him try and like unravel this mystery in front of us by using his mind and his detective skills. You know, he's obviously, you know, he's the world's best detective in the comics. Then instead of punching his way out of situations, I would be into that movie. I think that would be sort of like a psychological mystery film that would play really well. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you took the words pretty much right out of my mouth. That was my other answer is getting a mystery detective movie. And, you know, hopefully that's what we get out of this Robert Pattinson, because I think that he's the right man for that. But that's always been my favorite aspect of the character is the world's greatest detective. You know, I mean, Batman is inspired by like Sherlock Holmes, you know, 
Um, so he has a, he should have a lot more ties to that than he does Superman, uh, you know, for me at least. And there's obviously been great versions of character that are more exciting, but like, I think that really needs to be explored more. Um, so definitely agree. The only other thing that I would like to see, um, and it, again, it sounds like we might get more of this in the Pattinson version, but I, I want to see more Bruce Wayne. I want to see a young Bruce Wayne who is just now stepping into the shoes as CEO of Wayne Enterprises and has to maybe he has to face a villain that he has to take on as Bruce Wayne um, you know maybe it's like a legal issue that he has to work on maybe there's some sort of acquisition or merger so, uh, a villain is trying to uh, buy out Wayne Enterprises and he has to use his like actual intelligence to solve that now, it sounds kind of drama to do a, a kind of boring to do a courtroom drama Batman movie, but like, man, would I be excited for that? No, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think, I don't know if you watched um, Fox's Gotham TV show, which was supposed to explore like really more James Gordon than anything else, like Rising to Commissioner, but the subplot behind it was Batman as a child becoming, you know, Bruce Wayne as a child and me becoming Batman. And I think they missed an opportunity there to do kind of what you're saying, which is to show, you know, young Bruce Wayne grow into the, you know, well, well-rounded is not the way to put it, but grow into the character that we know and kind of watch him accept what he can and can't do, what his limitations are and push himself and deal with a lot of the stuff like you're saying that isn't just like beating up thugs it's kind of, you know, maturing into his role, into his dual role in society. Um, and the Gotham show touched on some of that, but then went so like off canon and trippy and did a lot of stuff that was really, really strange. They did a lot of good stuff in that show, but they did a lot of stuff that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that's a missed opportunity is like if you were to explore the stuff in the Batman Begins that they just kind of gloss over, which is like, him coming back in society now being this fully trained you know killing machine and trying to figure out how to balance that side of his life with being a ceo like i would watch a drama series about that that didn't involve you know kicking the hell out of you know low-level thugs definitely agree um that's that's pretty much it all i got to say unless you have anything else to add no, I you know I think we're setting ourselves up for disappointment now because I'm going to expect every movie to be as fun to watch as this, um, and we haven't picked what we're going to watch next, but I'm sure it's not going to be as fun. <laughs> um, so, hopefully, we can kind of keep the train rolling here and not delve back into, um, you know, game. <laughs> yeah, I, I surely, uh, surely hope not. But um, that is uh, pretty much it. So I think for the first time, I'll have the inaugural sign off, and I'll say, Connor, stay frosty.